In today's episode of Men's Bible Study, Dr. Justin Hillhouse continues in our series entitled Summertime Blockbusters. Justin Hillhouse teaches on Jeremiah 33.3. He talks about how this verse gives us not only hope for the future, but also there is an expectation of great things to come. It promises us a plan that while we do not understand today, we will see become reality in the future. Now let's hear from Justin Hillhouse. Well, good morning, guys. How are y'all doing this morning? Awesome. Good. Welcome. We're glad that y'all are here. Good morning. If you have your copy of God's Word, please open it up, turn it on. We are in Jeremiah chapter 33. That's right. We're in Jeremiah chapter 33, and we're currently in this series here on Tuesday morning simply called Summer Blockbusters. Now, before the pandemic hit, if you remember, before that pandemic hit, usually it was during the summertime when all the big movies would come out, right? Okay, all the big movies would come out and there would be such great anticipation. If you remember, like when I was growing up, you know, you had Lord of the Rings, you had all the Star Wars stuff coming out. While we were uh, on mission trip last week, I'm going, to go, go, I'm going to go ahead and put in this plug. While we were on mission trip last week, we got on the topic of, hey, favorite movies. Now, I just kind of want to throw this out here. What's some of y'all's favorite movies? Okay. Shrek. Huh? Shrek, okay. All right, it's a cartoon. All right, that describes you a lot. All right, okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What else? Favorite movie? Come on. Star Trek Wrath of Khan. What? Top Gun? Huh? Flywheel. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out, maybe. All right. <laughs> huh? Okay. All right. The Godfather. All right. Yeah. No, oh, back there in the back. Cinderella Man. Okay. I am not watching the same stuff you are. <laughs> what else? Yeah, Joe. Okay, the Born Supremacy. All right, that's good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty woman. All right, Dennis. Good deal. Good deal. The Ten Commandments. Huh? Patton? Oh, Patton. Patton, that's right. There's a lot of great movies. I'm a huge fan of comedy, so I'm a huge fan of like Caddyshack, Animal House, that sort of thing. I see a lot of guys kind of nodding like that. Christmas Vacation, one of the all-time classics. Like, you know, when... when um, when Thanksgiving hits, Thanksgiving night, what do we do? We gather the whole... I could not wait for my kids to get old enough to where we could sit down together as a family and watch Christmas Vacation. Well, <clears throat> Summer Blockbusters, back in June 8th of 1984, in 1,339 theaters, the movie Ghostbusters premiered. It came out across... The nation in opening weekend, uh, it grossed 13.6 million dollars. Now that doesn't sound like a lot of money today, but back then, of course, that was a huge uh, that was a huge weekend. And then its first week, Ghostbusters um, grossed 23 million dollars, and it set a record at the studios. At the time, it was the number one movie at the box office for five consecutive weeks, grossing close 
to 100 million. Overall, Ghostbusters went on to gross 229 million at the box office, making it the second highest grossing film in 1984. And then on top of that, in 1985, if you didn't know this, they re-released Ghostbusters in 1985, and it grossed in 1985 238.6 million dollars, making Ghostbusters the most successful comedy movie in the 1980s. Couldn't believe it. Ghostbusters. And if you remember, Ghostbusters had this theme song and they still play it on the radio today. It was just a couple weeks ago I was listening to Jack FM and that song came on and you hear this and it's by Ray Parker and you hear this. Huh? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Ray Parker wrote it. Uh, we'll get to the story later. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> All right, so anyway, it says this. If there's something strange in the neighborhood, who you going to call? Ghostbuster. That's right. If there's something weird and it don't look good, who you going to call? And it's Ghostbusters, right? And so we all, we all have kind of heard that song and, and uh, somebody might, you know, just randomly say, well, who are you going to call? And you be like, Ghostbusters, you know? It's so ingrained in our minds, that tagline of, hey, who are you going to call? Well, Ghostbusters. And at the end of the day, when something happens, when something's going on, when you're looking around and there's mass chaos, the question becomes... Who are you going to call? Because when I look at our society, when I look at America, when I look at the world, and I see everything that's going on, and I see just the chaos that is not slowly but expediently coming with everything that's going on politically and, and socially, I'm beginning to become very concerned. <laughs> and so the question is, is, who are we going to call? Who are we going to call on? And in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, we see this blockbuster verse that a lot of folks reference. And we just want to talk about it for just a few minutes. God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. And he says these promising words. He says this in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. He says, call to me. This is God talking. He says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. This famous promise and statement is made to us and to Jeremiah at a time when Jeremiah has been restricted. Okay, He is uh, imprisoned. He is actually in the courtyard being guarded by the courtyard guards. He cannot leave there, okay? Jeremiah has, has gone through his life being a prophet, being obedient to God, calling out to the children of Israel. He's been imprisoned once and let go, and now he's been imprisoned again. And now as he is 
there in prison being watched by the guard, seeing everything that's going on in Israel because at the time the Babylonians are beginning to creep in and they're getting ready to attack Jerusalem and take it over and to put the children of Israel into captivity. He's looking at all this and he is gravely concerned. He is scared. He is He is looking at the king going, hey, what's going on? Trying to give him advice. The king is not listening. Everything that Jeremiah is looking at is beginning to fall apart. And God's nation, in Jeremiah's view, is beginning to fall apart. And so he calls out to God. In Jeremiah chapter 33, he calls out to God. And this is God's answer. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great things and unsearchable things you do not know. Two thoughts from this passage real quick. And thought number one is, is call the right person. Call the right person. If you look there in verse 3, the first three words say this, call to me, it's God talking. Jeremiah is turning to God, and God says, hey, listen, first of all, call to me. This is an important, small, three-word phrase. Call to me. God doesn't say, call us, or call up to heaven, or call an angel. But God says, no, I want you to call me, call me directly. Uh, And that's important for us to know, to understand, and to hold on to. And here's why. It's because God is a personal God. God is personal. He doesn't say call up to heaven. He says, call me. You see, when you're in sales and you work on commission, you don't want people to call the company, do you? Don't call the company and ask for somebody. Call me. Call me. You need to call me. Why? Because you are there to personally help That person. Why is that important? Well, it's important because when you call, you want that personal relationship. Can I just vent for a minute? One of the things I hate about T-Mobile is when you have a problem and you call them, you always get someone different on the phone, right? Call, thanks for calling for T-Mobile. You know, we're happy to help you. And I'm like, great, I want to talk to Rick. I don't know who Rick is. Well, that's the guy I talked to last time. Well, I'm Ben. How can I help you? I don't want to talk to you, Ben. I want to talk to Rick. Well, I'm sorry, sir. I can't do that. Listen, I've already explained my problem once to Rick. And now, guess what? You're going to ask me the exact same thing over again. I'm going to have to explain it over again. And guess what you're going to tell me? You can't fix it, right? It's extremely frustrating. I want to talk to Rick. I don't want to talk to you, Ben. When I call Timo, I want to talk to Rick. Why? Because that was the guy I talked to the first time. Why? Because Rick and I, we developed a relationship. We had a personal connection there. And he began to help me with a problem. When you go to a new car lot, what do they always say? Hey, don't call Chevrolet. Rather, call me. Call me the individual, the salesperson. Call me the person, the service manager that's going to help you. You are their point of contact. And they're the person that's going to get the job done 
for you. It is a personal relationship. And when you're in sales and you go out there and you begin to market and you hand them your card, you don't say, hey, call the company. No, rather you say, listen, please call me. Same thing happens in the church. We train all of our ministers. Hey, listen, don't tell them to call the church. I mean, we tell them to call the church, but call the church. But hey, ask for me. Contact me. Because I'm the person that's going to be able to help you and to get you to where you need to go. And here in this blockbuster verse, those first couple words, God says, hey, listen, I want you to call me because there is a personal connection. There is a personal relationship there throughout Scripture. When you read Scripture, you see that God has a personal connection to you. God has and desires a personal connection with you. He's not far off. You have a direct line straight to God. You have direct access straight to God. If you look in Psalm chapter 17, verses um, 6 through 9, it says this, and we'll just read verse 6. It says, I called to you, my God. Okay? I called to you, my God. Right there is the personal connection. Not our God, not their God, but rather my God. I'm calling on mine. God is my God. And it says this, look, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Lamentations 3, 55 through 58. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you, and you said, you came near. Listen, I called you, God. I called on you, and what did he do? He drew near, and you said, do not fear. You, Lord, took up my case. You redeemed my life. Scripture tells us over and over to call on him by name, and he will answer. And why will he answer? Because God is the only one that can provide what we need. He's the only one with all the right answers. And he is the only one, too, that can deliver what we need. He's the only one that can deliver what we need. If you look there in verse 58, it says, You, Lord, you took up my case and you redeemed my life. In the New Testament, we know who to call. We know who to call. Romans chapter 10 verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on that name. Who is that name? It is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 2. To the church of God in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Their Lord is ours. Acts twenty two sixteen. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on whose name? On his name. On the name Jesus Christ. God is personal. Jesus is personal. Call directly 
to Him. And today we have so many options to call on. We have so many options to call on. Back in 1996, GM Motors, EDS, and Hughes Electronics got together and they came up with this concoction <laughs> called OnStar. How many of y'all are familiar with OnStar, right? It's, it's cool, it's in my wife's truck. There's a little blue button and you press it and it goes, calling OnStar. And then you hear this boop, 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 boop. Hello, thank you for calling OnStar. How may I help you? And you're driving down the road. And you say, OnStar, I'm running low on fuel. And here's the scary part. They'll say, yeah, we see that. You have about 50 miles left in your tank. <laughs> Do you need a nearest gas station? Yes. Okay, great. Do you want us to upload that to your nav system? I, yeah, I guess so. It was back in 1996 that these three companies got together and they developed OnStar. They wanted a one-stop shop for people to call while you're on the road. Now, today we have cell phones and we don't have to use OnStar near as much. You can still uh, use OnStar. You still have OnStar if you own a GM product. It's, it's still kind of cool and I still use it every once in a while just to have fun. But people call OnStar, you'd be surprised all the time. There was a story of somebody that was struggling through Candy Crush while they were driving. They called OnStar to try and figure out how to beat the game. The ironic part is, is that OnStar gave them the answer. But we can turn to Google, we can turn to our friends, we can turn to Amazon. They have a lot of answers there. We can push a blue button. We can call our doctors. There are so many different places we can go and we are going to get many different answers from folks that somewhat care about us, that might care about us, or even that might get paid to care about us. We have so many resources available to us, yet God, the creator of the universe, looks at Jeremiah and he says, hey, listen, call me. And he's telling that to us today, too, to call on him. Don't call OnStar. Don't call Google. Don't call your friend. Call on me. Call on our Lord Jesus Christ. Call on him. And this leads us to our second thought. And that's that. And that's this. God says, call to me. Okay. It's personal. He says, call to me. And then he says this. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things which you do not know. Okay. Now, the first half of that verse, or the first three words of the verse, we kind of get, right? Call to me. Okay, it's personal, Justin. I get it. It's, it. That's pretty simple. Okay, God is a personable God. He wants us to call out to Him. Okay, but then it's this second part that things get a little squirrely. And really, things get interesting, and it shows us how great God is. It's the second part of this verse that really we see the awesomeness and the power of God. Because look at what God says. I will answer you. So we know God is going to answer. And then he says this. I will tell you great and unsearchable things which you have no earthly idea about. In other words, I'm not just going to give you an answer. I'm going to blow your mind. You will not be able to comprehend or understand how awesome this thing is going to turn out. 
because I'm involved. It's cool. I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things which you do not know. Let me give you a biblical example of this. Okay? In Exodus chapter 2, we see the children of Israel, and God is talking to Moses, preparing him to go lead the children of Israel out. And look at what the Lord says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 7 through 10. The Lord said, so we know God is talking here because it says, the Lord said, and it says this, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them cry out. There's the call. I have heard them cry out. God has heard His people because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. And here's the answer. Ready? Here's the great and unsearchable things. And I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pesicites, uh, the Hevites, the Jebusites, and the Termites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God answers. And he says, okay, Moses, I'm sending you to go lead my people out. Children of Israel are calling out. God says, all right, I'm going to send Moses. Then look what happens. Moses gets down there to Pharaoh. He says, hey, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, nine times. The tenth time, the plague, the angel of death comes through, killing the firstborn. What does Pharaoh do? Y'all leave. Get out of here. Get out of my sight. And so the Israelites leave. And they start moving. And they start running. And next thing you know, the direction God leads them, He leads them right to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army is closing in behind him. And so now Moses and the Israelites are sitting there and they're looking across this Red Sea, and they're saying, there's no way we can pass through that. And then they're looking behind them, and they see Pharaoh right behind them. It says this in Exodus 14, verse 11 and 12. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better off for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, wait a minute. Back in Exodus chapter 2, what did God say? I have heard the cries of my people. And they want to be delivered. Just a few chapters ago, the Israelites were crying out, Hey, listen, we want to leave. Now all of a sudden, God has led them out of Egypt. They're standing there on the shore of the Red Sea, and they're going, Nope, don't want to do it. I'm out. There's no possible way we can get out of this situation. So then Moses, in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 14, gives them a motivational Talk. And Moses answers the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord, the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. 
You need only to be still. That's great motivational talk. Hey guys, don't be afraid. Everybody just calm down. God's got it handled. Everyone just be still. Just everyone just be still. Yeah, but Pharaoh's getting ready to come down and just slaughter us. And there's a sea in front of us. We have no escape. This is that great and unsearchable thing that you do not know. God said, hey, listen, Moses, go down there and and lead my people out of Egypt. So what does Moses do? Moses goes down there and he follows what God tells him to do. And he brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. But God didn't give him all the details. Because this, it is at this moment that those great and unsearchable things begin to become sight. Those things that, that, that you might hear about now all of a sudden, it's becoming reality. I like it what it says in verse uh, 15 and 16. Then the Lord said to Moses. So Moses tells the people, hey, everyone, just relax. God has got this. Don't worry about it. Everyone just be still. And then it says in verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Don't tell them to stop and be still. Rather, to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Great and unsearchable things. Great and unsearchable things right there. Moses had no clue what God was going to do. Yet he got to experience the power of God. Moses said, stand firm. God said, keep moving forward. You called on me to deliver you and I am delivering you. You cried out in prayer, asking to be relieved from the Egyptians. And now, not only am I going to answer you, but I'm going to do it the way only I can do it, which is awesome. That's all God does. God is in the business of awesome. God is in the business of miracles. God is in the business of doing great and unsearchable things. Things that we do not know, cannot understand, we can't even comprehend. How in the world did this happen in my life? Only because of God. How in the world did that happen in my life? Only because of God. Because God shows up and He does only what God does. Which is do awesome and great and mighty and powerful things. Unsearchable things. A man once said, a Christian philosopher once said, when human reason has exhausted every possibility, the children can go to their father and receive all they need. For only when you have become utterly dependent on prayer and faith, only when all human possibilities have been exhausted, can you begin to reckon that God will intervene and work His miracles. God can intervene and work His miracles. Brace yourself for God's answer. 
you asked, and now he has answered. What's funny is the Israelites asked, God answered, and then all of a sudden they said, whoa, 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 whoa. this is not what we signed up for. This, well, uh, hey, uh, God, uh, we, you, you kind of putting a little stress on me here, Lord. <laughs> we have Pharaoh coming in. We got the Red Sea. What, what's going on? All of a sudden they began to back up. Sometimes we blame God for the answer because we don't understand the answer. It's that unsearchable part. It's that stuff that we don't know. It's that stuff that, hey, God, why did you lead us here? And why, did you, why are you doing this? And it is not until we get to look back in the past that we see God's hand moving in our hearts and in our lives. If it was up to Moses, there would be no way that the children of Israel would have crossed the Red Sea. Moses wouldn't have led the people of Israel like that. But it's through God. When he led the children of Israel out, he didn't just lead them out. He led them out in fashion. He performed a miracle that only he could perform. I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. We want God and his plan to make sense. God just wants us to simply follow him. We always want God's plans to make sense. God simply says, just follow me. I got this. No problem. I can handle it. So as Moses, and as we see with Moses, how God shows up, Jeremiah calls out and he says, man, God, what's going on? The Babylonians are coming in. They're getting ready to to take us out. The king is not being a very good king. The children of Israel have wandered from you. God, what is going on? And this is what God says in Jeremiah 33, 4 through 9. And this is what the Lord God of Israel says about the houses in this city and the royal places of Judah that have been torn down to be used against the siege ramps and the sword in the fight with the Babylonians. Okay, so God, God, God puts it in context. He says, hey, listen, it's, it's coming. But here's what's going to happen. He says, they will be filled with dead bodies of the people I will slay in my anger and wrath. I will hide my face from this city because of all of, all of its wickedness. Verse 6, nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and I will l- let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and will rebuild them as they were before. Look at verse 8. I will cleanse them from all their sin uh, they have committed against me and will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on the earth that hear of all the good things I do for it. 
and they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I will provide for it. That's pretty cool. How cool is the end of verse 9? And they will be in awe. Look at this. And they will be in awe and they will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. Wow, that's powerful. To say that I will tremble in awe at the abundance of peace and prosperity. What a great and unsearchable thing. So there are times probably in your life where you've called on God and God says, okay, I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer. But it's going to be great and unsearchable. And you might be like the Israelites right now and you're standing there at the Red Sea and you don't see any way out. I've looked in my life personally, guys. I've looked in my life. And there have been times when I've been there at the Red Sea and I'm going, how in the world are we going to get out of this? And God's hand begins to move and God shows up and there's only, there's no way out and God opens up a door. And we are able to walk through it. And it is only because He intervened and it is only because of His awesomeness and His miracles that we were able to continue on. And why does God do that for us? It goes back to because God is personal. God is personable. He desires and wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants you to call on him all the time and for everything. Call on God. Be prepared for the answer. Be prepared for it to be unsearchable. Be prepared to maybe not quite understand it. But know that at the end of it, God has something great for you. And get this, it might be great for you, but for us, what do we do? We just turn back and we give all the glory to God. Why? Because He's the one that did it all. You go, man, how in the world did this happen? <laughs> I can only explain it because of God, because of the God that I serve. Dylan Burroughs said this, God has done more than I can ask or even imagine on more occasions than I could ever recount. His ways are higher than my ways. My ideas simply cannot compete with his. <laughs> my ideas cannot simply compete with God's ideas. Call unto me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. For some of you here in this room, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that is the name you need to call on for salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It is through the name of Jesus Christ that we have salvation. That is the name we call upon. That is the name we turn to. That is where we, that is who we go to, to confess our sins and to ask for forgiveness and to be cleansed of all of our unrighteousness.
And so if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you. Today is the day of salvation, as it says in the scripture. Please come talk to me or Frazier or Sloan's. We'd love to talk to you about knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That is the name that we need to call upon. And that is the name I encourage you to call upon. Because he will show you great and unsearchable things that you just cannot explain. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you that we could come here and that we could open up your word and just uh, talk about how great you are. Talk about how awesome you are. Talk about how you do things that nobody else can. And so God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he came, he died on the cross for our sins so that we might have eternal life. Thank you, God, that you are personable. That, Father, you desire each one of us to call you directly. To come to you. And to lay our burdens before you. And knowing that, God, you will, you will answer us. And that, Father, you will tell us great and unsearchable things. God, that you will do great things and unsearchable things that only you get the glory for. Father, if there's somebody here that does not know you, I ask that, that you would draw them to you here today. As we go our separate ways, bless us and make our hands productive, and may we be lights in this dark world. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.